And welcome to That Horror Cast. I'm Mallory Smart. And I'm Dimitri Samarov. For today's episode, we'll be discussing the Chicago cult classics, the Candyman movies. We'll be comparing the original film made in 1992 to the brand new 2021 sequel. The 92 version covers the story of a UIC grad student named Helen Lyle, who is researching myths and urban legends for her thesis. While interviewing people from the city, one legend pops up the most, Candyman. The story goes, if you say his name five times in the mirror, he'll show up behind you and slash you with his hook. Captivated by this story, Helen decides to go to the root of the legend that began in Chicago's infamous housing project, Cabrini Green. In this film, Helen learns an origin story of Candyman, where he was a freed slave who painted portraits and fell in love with a white woman. For this supposed crime, he was tortured, maimed, had his hand cut off and replaced with a hook, and was supposedly burned to death in the area where Cabrini Green now stood. As Helen gets more and more into the legend and says his name five times into a mirror, a mysterious man matching the description of Candyman begins stalking her. This leads to a series of blackouts where she wakes up in blood several times implying that she killed people, and at some point even kidnapped a baby. All the while, we know that Candyman is behind everything. Flash forward to the 2021 film. We revisit this story in a way that only Jordan Peele could. With excellent art design, character building, and music styling, we get to see what became of Cabrini Green and its residents after the events of the 1992 film. Of course, the area had become gentrified and was now plagued with yuppies and artists. We follow one specific artist in this film, Anthony McCoy. After hearing the myth of Candyman, he too becomes obsessed. He studies the different origin stories of Candyman while walking the mostly abandoned row houses that remain in the area that Cabrini Green once stood. A man named Burke helps give him the background. McCoy decides to translate all this into a new art installation called Say His Name. In the project, he created art behind a mirror in an attempt to entice people. But as we soon discover, art was not his destiny. Through his project, he summoned Candyman and caused several others to as well. In the media frenzy and through all of his own paranoia, he discovers his own part in the legend that he once heard. He was that baby that was taken and saved from Candyman all those years ago. Now it's his turn to take his place as Candyman. Hello? Hello. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was just some kind of, uh, you know, service outage. Uh, it was definitely like, yeah, it was not just me. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just Comcast. Well, that's just just hilarious because I downloaded it anyways just because I wanted to see what it sounded like, me listening to your podcast while waiting for you. Oh, okay. And then the phone call well, you, you and know, it got recorded too. Yeah, you can, you can cut all the shit in, you know. It all lends to more and more, you know, horror movie texture uh, on all the gremlins attacking and the whole deal. It wouldn't be a horror movie podcast if we weren't cursed just a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of the whole the whole deal. But uh, 
Let's see. I'm going to try to remember what. Oh, I, I was talking about like the the problem with the first movie for me. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe it seems obvious, but the problem is that you got this blonde white lady who's the hero of a movie set set in a African American uh, public housing project. You know, it's it's a weird fit. I mean, for it's me, a strange thing. What was her name again? Helen, right? Yeah. And I don't know, like, it's not a white savior film almost, but it's almost like what a white savior film would be like if it was in the context it kind of, is a, of it a horror kind of movie. Is, it, it kind of is a white savior film, though. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. she saves, uh, what's his name, McCoy. Yeah, yeah, she, she saves the baby and, you know, she helps out, like, you know, like single like the kind of prototypical single black mother you know and she thinks that the the white lady kidnapped the kid to you know sacrifice it or eat it but she was saving it so yeah yeah she's totally the savior and that never i mean i'm not uh it's not i don't think this is revisionist or anything i always thought that was weird when i saw it like why uh, the setting is so much of this movie you know like the the fact that it's set in this specific uh, housing project at a particular time, mm-hmm. and then you you like helicopter in this this white lady, you know, and you know they they explain it by you know she's that's her she does social work you know at a college that's her it's her thesis paper or whatever she's like a PhD student. And I'd like sure, to say that to a certain degree, I feel like they tried to save face by having her um, black friend say that she too. Was terrified of Cabrini Green. Right. Well, yeah, the the black friend is like even whiter than she is, really. <laughs> I know, right? She's even more of like a suburbanite. At least I think they make trying to make Ellen more more gritty by having her chain smoke. Man, she smokes a lot in the fucking movie. She she's lighting up cigarettes all the time. That, that's what I noticed the last time rewatching it. See, was it la- last week? If you like <laughs> shit like that, then you would love American Horror Story. They're lighting up constantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, that's obviously it's period, you know, another time. But that that rang kind of weird to me, as well as a smoke former smoker. But like she just smoked all the time, mm-hmm. and she's supposed to be this kind of intellectual do gooder kind of you know lady, and she just can't fucking stop smoking. Maybe it's the fact that her husband is such a fucking asshole. But yeah, I called that cheating right away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like immediately I just looked at him I was like yeah he's well yeah the first student. time you see him it's with this like this student this girl mooning over him you know which I just never got because he he was no looker by any means no I mean yeah. actually one of the best things in that original is his comeuppance in the end you know <laughs> that was one of the best parts yeah I mean it sucked because I mean to a certain degree it's kind of like Candyman was gaslighting her almost yeah or causing her to be gaslighted. I don't know. Huh. Uh, well, I, no, I mean, I think she, she sort of found a deeper meaning for her life with mm-hmm. Candyman rather than her asshole husband, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And he kept, like, insinuating, like, the, like, almost, he was almost, like, romantic towards her a little bit. Well, sure, yeah. He, she, had, she had to surrender to him so that, like, you know, it was like Dracula or something. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting to have, like, an alluring bad guy, sort of. Is he a bad guy? Do we think Candyman is really that bad? 
No, not really. And I mean, in the uh, in the new one, even more so, he's definitely like he's sort of like the avenging angel, you know, like fighting, you know, the 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 forces that are oppressing like this marginalized black community, you know. I mean, hell, even at the end, that was great when she's like, "I'll say whatever you want. I just need to see myself in the mirror." And yeah. She says well, Candyman five times. Well, she figured. Yeah, she figured out it was her only way out to get away from the from the cops. Yeah. I find it interesting because in the first movie, Helen, she, I guess, like was being possessed or whatever into mm-hmm. doing these murders, which I don't know if we figured out yet if it's her who did the murders and he was possessing her or if he was doing it and then just putting her in the place. But in the new one, do you think it was Anthony McCoy who's doing the murders? Or do you think it was Candyman? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I sort of... Because every yeah, time not... they showed, like, the kind of, like, kind of reflections, you'd see the jacket, but you never could see the face. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's one of the things that the, the, the story always plays around with, is you never actually conclusively find out. When, and I, I think they go into it more, the history of the Candyman and stuff, that, like, it's not one person, it's possessing people over over hundreds of years, you know, mm-hmm. and it takes over and it's a, it's a kind of, it's this, uh, guardian kind of monster that kind of, uh, looks over the community and guards it, you know, but by spreading terror and, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's passed on. It's sort of ancestral or whatever. Uh, what is it? Helen says it's the community's way of coping with their poverty. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, except that, yeah, like like I've been saying, I think it's weird, and it's understandable, I guess, because, you know, first, the movie's made by a white guy, and, like, they're trying to market it towards a mainstream audience, which, in the early 90s, was still not sold on the idea that, like, a, like a mostly, like, black cast could carry a film to the mainstream, i.e. white audience, and it being okay, you know what I mean? I mean, that's where Jordan Peele really, like, jumps in, because he really introduced us to that kind of new brand of horror with Get Out. Yeah. And that's what made him perfect for this. Yeah. Uh, And also, yeah, the other, the thing in the first one is that it's it's less self-contained than the second one, because they, I don't think she, uh, Helen, lives in the same community, uh, she's, I think, she, I think she's supposedly, she's at, she the college is, is UIC, I think, or a stand-in for UIC. Uh, oh no, which that is, was definitely UIC, because yeah. I spent a lot of time in that library. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that brutalist architecture and stuff, but, uh, it's not, it's not in the community, whereas in the second one, uh, pretty much, almost the entire movie takes place on the grounds of where the towers used to be, mm-hmm. and now, and there are remnants of, Reading green still, which is just the row houses, which is where the guy, the guy from the laundromat and stuff lives. You know, the the few, yeah. There are still people living there, but it's it's just the 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 one story row houses that are left. Was it white people built the ghettos and then they tore down the ghettos because they realized they built the ghettos? Yeah, right. Uh, But also, I mean, it's not uh, even like the. you know, the the artist and his, uh, you know, curator girlfriend, you know, the main people in the movie 
are living in, you know, kind of like yuppie condo housing where the towers used to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, they're definitely, they're haunted by the ghosts of what that was, what that area was and continue to be. Uh, I thought it was more fun that in that one, the horror, like kind of ghost story they tell is of Helen as opposed to like in the original, it's more like Candyman. Yeah. Like they're more terrified of the white lady who killed the Rottweiler. Sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, she's now passed out on into some sort of fo- folklore, you know, or. Yeah. Uh, Just like but Anthony be- will. Yeah, and she becomes a, some, some kind of martyr or something. Uh, but yeah, the, yeah, I mean, the main thing of the movie is that it's these, you know, newly yuppies or whatever, like, uh, contemporary people like moving into a neighborhood that's got a, a troubled history and uh, kind of wiping it clean and making it all fancy and shit and they're part of the problem which you know the, the kind of like the prototypical like current like uh, sassy gay couple points out to them you know like mm-hmm. like you're 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 the gentrifiers here you know what I mean I was intrigued by um <laughs> How I'm trying to like how defensive Anthony was when the critics said it that artists are the ones who cause the gentrification. What do you mm-hmm. think of that? Oh well, that's that's absolutely true. Uh, well, the, what artists do is they make these uh, neighborhoods safe for the yuppies and the developers to move in. That happens in every gentrifying neighborhood uh, because because artists are attracted to cheap housing and they then they make everything nice and then they get priced out. I mean, this is what happened in Wicker Park. It, it's what happened in Pilsen, you know. It happens in every one of these neighborhoods. Uh, Talking gentrification, I mean, this is now going to be Chicagoans. Other people might not get it. Yeah. I really... I, I've, I witnessed Wicker Park. I witnessed Logan Square. I've sort of witnessed Pilsen. And yeah. it was kind of slow going. I feel like it took several years but cabrini green yeah. it feels like it just kind of happened all of a sudden uh it, it took a while but like it, it has a, had a lot to do with the demolishing of those towers mm-hmm. and i watched that happen uh i actually worked so when i moved back to chicago in 97 my first uh job back was at pearl art and craft which was at chicago and franklin mm-hmm. which is like a couple of blocks from cabrini and i, I worked with a few Several ladies that lived in the projects, uh, they hired them as mo- mostly as cashiers. Uh, it was interesting. And, the, you know, they could walk right to work because they were just down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it was an imp- this imposing edifice. But at a certain point, obviously, the, the realtors and the developers and everybody realize that, you know, you're right next to downtown. This is like we're sitting on a gold mine. So... Mm-hmm. They decided to demolish those uh, those high rises and move a lot of people out and displace them. Such is life. It's terrible, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, the the yeah, there there are a bunch of books written about the whole idea of the way in you know American style the, the vertical ghetto you know with the, the high rises and stuff that mm-hmm. they did a lot of in Chicago and some in New York and some all the other major cities you know. Uh, so the people that invented this, that, that they thought they were creating like a cohesive community, but it didn't work out that way almost ever, you know? 
I was reading actually um, some of the worst projects were actually in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, there's bad ones all over the place, but you know, there was a time that all all along, you know, the Dan Ryan, there was the Robert Taylor Homes. There was there was like a line for miles and miles. It was all uh, it was all uh, public housing, and all those all those buildings are gone. Uh, all of it is gone. Uh, it was a failed experiment, but which started not that long ago. It was like the you know fifties and sixties when that started, mm-hmm. uh, and they they lasted you know less than fifty years. I feel like the gentrification obviously is the center of the entire story yeah. of the new one. What do you think of like, I don't know, like there was a gallery there next yeah. to the laundromat. I don't know if you noticed there was like a roastery. Did you see that? I missed the roastery, but that, that makes sense. The, these are all the kind of like trappings of like yuppie, you know, comforts, you know, like that's, that's like what you the, see like shithole, shithole roastery. Like what the fuck? Yep. Yep. That's that's what you do, you know that that and the the dry cleaning and yeah these are all the things that young urban urban professionals uh, demand you know in their in their living spaces, uh, but I really one of the reasons I think probably I, I like this new one better is is uh, how they dis how they dispose of the gallery assholes. Like, oh yes, that was great. And the, the, as a as a painter who's had a like a, a shitty history with galleries, like that was deeply, deeply satisfying to see, <laughs> uh, see, see what happened to the gallery dickhead and, and his, you know, half half his age girlfriend. <laughs> I can't decide which part I actually liked better about that—the way that Anthony left, or the way they died, because he he really did do a good exit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of. Uh, there's there's a lot of like contemporary local touches, uh, you know that all that art. Uh, and the, I I read up like the the person that was responsible for it, putting it all all the art stuff together is this guy Theaster Gates, who is a really big deal artist in Chicago. I think he found those artists and kind of like put that part of the movie together. You know, that was a big question I was going to ask: is uh, where they found all the art for the galleries and everything. Yeah, so it, that was all local local stuff, and then the other cool thing for me was uh, the score by uh, Robert Lowe, who was a guy that I used to know. And here uh, he moved away a long time ago, but uh, the the soundtrack I think is much much better than the original. Uh, it's creepier and like the original. I, I was it surprised a theory, it, it's like feeling. Yeah, it was Philip Glass, who was like a big deal minimalist composer, but it was not one of his more memorable scores it's just kind of there you know it just kind of sits there yeah. i paid attention to it especially because because i'd uh, been interested in the new one you know i think that's what my favorite part about us picking this is that we were able to compare and contrast like two very very different movies that were about the same thing mm-hmm. and then yeah as a the source material is a it's a Clive Barker story that was, I think, originally set in England in an English public housing project. Was it The Forbidden? I think I read. Yeah, I, I like once again as a, go, you know, ongoing theme of like. Someday we'll find a horror movie that's not based off of a book. I swear. Or we we will have both written read the source material. <laughs> I like written. Maybe maybe we should write a horror book. See if we can make it its way to the big screen. Oh sure, yeah. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> My vote is on you. I think you'd be more equipped at that. <laughs> to write a horror story? Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Life experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I could write a horror story. I, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. Uh, I suck at creating suspense, if you've noticed. Like, I just like throw yeah. it all out there on the page. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I don't know. How much of my shit you've read? There's not any fucking cliffhangers in my books. You no. know, the, there's a lot of observation and occasionally horrible shit, but like it's just kind of garden variety things that people do uh, that I've observed. Uh, but yeah, I, I have no conception of uh, you know story arcs or like you know the three act structure, all the stuff that you need, especially for a conventional kind of like a movie kind of story. Fuck convention. Uh, yeah, that's but also this like to do a movie, you would really have to like write that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, screenplays are a very rigid, rigid form. Uh, but I, I, you know, one of the other things I liked about this movie is that it, it's the new one. Like, there really isn't. It's more of like a feel kind of thing. There's not a, a huge. There's not. There's sort of a resolution in a way. I mean, the real thing is, it's basically a lesson for the girlfriend or wife. I don't know if they were married or not. They're dating. Yeah, uh, you know, she was sort of like, you know, it starts out that he's this like artist with artist block, and he's kind of it feels like he's just kind of like living off of her, and she's kind of more successful and with it, and she's like the the contemporary career woman, and she, she's going places. You know, she's meeting her curator like idols at the MCA and stuff, and things are happening and he's this guy that's kind of stuck in the past and he doesn't know he's haunted by something but he doesn't know what it is oh. and it turns out that you know he's he's on the right track and she's got to learn the hard way you know that some shit from the past just doesn't go away did it not kill you when the white uh gallery owner called him was it he you were going to be the great black hope of chicago yeah like, yeah, that I guy was, was just such was a fucking douchebag. That guy was such a douchebag. <laughs> yeah. I love it when you can call it like, yeah, you're going to die soon. It, it doesn't mm. even matter. Yeah. It's, yeah, not that it's like incredible, like whatever, uh, super profoundly deep, but like the, in this movie, like the, you know, the people that, that get there deserve it, you know? <laughs> and, what I liked about, if you do put the two of them together, 92 is all about trying to learn what Candyman is. Yeah. Whereas this one is eventually, like, evolving into Candyman. Yeah. But also, you know, there's some great standalone scenes, like when, you know, with those, like, the bratty teenage girls, like, think they're playing a game in the bathroom and what happens to them all, you know, like... I like the one (laughs) person who doesn't die is the black girl with the headphones. Yeah, 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 that was, a, that was a neat reversal of what usually, you know, usually it's like, you know, the black girl or black, black guy is the first victim, you know? Yeah, that was probably, it it's almost makes you want to wonder, that. like, what happens after that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, I mean, it's so horrible to think about it, but a shit ton of dead white people and then a black girl comes out and says, oh, my God, they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, the the bad guys in this movie are like, you know, racist cops. You know, which is mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately all too real. <laughs> and goddamn, they shot him fast at the end. 
<laughs> like I knew they were gonna gun him down, but they didn't even wait. Yeah, yeah, they were like they they basically started the cover up like before even killing. Like they they started the cover up ahead of time, you know. Exactly. <laughs> they tried to doc- doctoring the the crime scene and stuff. <laughs> I also like that Anthony was actually like excited by the death because like he was like, "Oh my god, they said my name." They said my name, and like everyone else is freaked out on the couch, staring at him. As oh well, like, that was a, that was a great. Well, that that it's more of a commentary on like how how egotistical like artists or or writers or whatever are. You know, like he was just happy that like they were talking about him. You mm-hmm. know, which is like every writer and artist can knows that like when they're honest with themselves. You know, it really is. <laughs> like I no such no it. such thing as bad publicity. Like he doesn't give a shit. It's because of a fucking murder. <laughs> And the murder is, and the murder is of an art critic, you know. Like so, that's another like extra turn of the turn of the screw kind of thing, you know. It's all fantastic. Yep. (laughs) So, in the first movie, we obviously followed the story of one Candyman, and we've discussed obviously in the new movie they show that there are several iterations of Candyman. Yeah. How did Candyman in the first movie get that name? Because obviously they show it more literally in this one, like with the throwing of the candy. Yeah, I, I don't rem- I don't know if they have as much. Yeah, I think it's sort of like they have more of the backstory in the second one, and I don't. Yeah, I don't know how, how much it, how faithfully it, it cleaves to the to the short story or the or whatever. Uh, but yeah, they definitely gave him much more of a backstory in the in the new one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it actually does like it sort of goes back it's a kind of a prequel and a sequel because I mean our main hero the the Anthony is is the child that's rescued by the white lady but I liked in the beginning I didn't catch on to it my boyfriend caught it first the mere reversal of all the intro credits Mhm that that was kind of fun and the actual like Willy Wonka like Candyman song playing Yeah Yep. <laughs> like, that just kind of, like, brought some fun intrigue, where I was like, yeah, this is going to be an interesting film. Yeah, well, it shows, yeah, and the new one, and when, when it's, you know, when the, when the kid has, uh, that grows up to be the laundromat guy uh, has the encounter with Candyman, you know, he's not a bad guy, and he's giving him candy, you know, and then they kill him. <laughs> it is a bizarre thing. I guess, like, we are trained to think that that's weird as fuck because of that, like Halloween thing of like, don't take t- candy from a stranger. Yeah, but, and yeah. It, yeah, that that whole thing, you know, was just goes back to the '80s about you know the razor blades and the apples and shit is mostly urban myth. You know, that didn't really happen. Uh, but the, yeah, to train to be suspicious, and it leads up to you know our current moment where because. You know, we have instant news. We think that the world is a thousand times more dangerous than it used to be, and it's not. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's for the most part the other way around. You know. I found it odd in that scene that there were so many cops in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first one, it really didn't seem like there was a police presence at all. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, it makes sense because uh, now that like. A lot of the yuppies moved in. Uh, I was talking areas. more about the flashback. Oh, the flat. Oh, no, there, there was. Oh, okay. I, I think there was, there was this. You know, uh, 
they had their own security uh, kind of like cops and then yeah there, there was there's a big there's a one of the main police stations is like is almost on the grounds of Cabrini Green mm. so there there were cops around but because of the just the how many people live there like there's no way uh, to keep track of all the people you know and as you see like in the first in the old one like with the with with the drug dealer kids, you know, hanging out by the stoops and by the entrances and stuff, they're pretty much running the buildings, you know. I love the little kid in the first one. Mm-hmm. Oh, the one that the one that like takes her in and shows her around. Yeah, and then also like warns her about the bathroom and everything too. Like that's where Candyman is. Yeah, and then she fucking goes in there and gets hers. You know, like that's a bitch who does not listen. She was nosy. I mean, hell, she always took it like. One step too far. She sure, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, because of that scene, there are more than one Candyman in that one too. Because that one drug, the the head, the head gangster guy is kind of posing as Candyman to scare people, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't the real Candyman. But he, the one that assaults her, you know. I was curious. Like, do you think he did it to like that one kid that the other kid was talking about, or? Prop, who the fuck knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's it's always the uh, in all of these uh, iterations of this story, it's intentionally kind of blurry because there is no real, real Candyman, or they're all real. <laughs> <laughs> Candyman is just like a vibe. Yeah, because in both of them, basically, it's the tension between the people that believe in in the myth, in the story, and the people that don't. You know. Mm-hmm. And the ones that don't get taught a lesson. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm just like, my mind is just stuck on that scene just a little bit. Just, oh, the, when she goes to the bathroom? Yeah. 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 I mean, because she sees the bees, and for some reason bees are like, I don't know, that like clue that Candyman is near. Yeah. Which, in the second one, they explain, like, honey was like, rubbed on him second first one though they don't yeah he's he's just like yeah he's and then he's bitten to he's slowly killed yeah what i liked in the first one is like how i don't know it's like not the drug people specifically but the gangs and everything had a lot of spray paint like alluding to candy man and everything Mm -hmm. like i thought that was interesting in the in you mean in the old one yeah in the old one yeah yeah in the old one yeah because in the new one they're there really are no gangs in the new one because no. the, the area is, is, is different. Uh, Which I am so fascinated as to what the logistics of that probably was, of, like, how those people migrated out of Cabrini-Green. Like, I, Well, they, they moved them all to the outskirts of the city. Like, and there was a lot of problems because, uh, you know, they, these are generations of people that lived by then in that area, and they were not familiar with the places they lived, and it caused all kinds of tensions in the places that they were relocated to. I mean, yeah. how were they relocated? I guess that's that's my question, because obviously in Wicker Park and everything, it seemed more, pr- like, slowly happening, and, like, eventually they were, like, priced yeah. out. But, like, with the buildings, like, it's almost like, what did they just say? Like the buildings were no longer safe, and they had to take them down. Or yeah, no, it's a. Pro- I mean, like it went on for years, and then I think they offered them incentives to move out, and then 
part of the deal was they supposedly in some of this new housing were supposed to allow some percentage for affordable housing for Section 8 and stuff mm-hmm. uh, for people on welfare. But uh, I don't know. I think it was more uh, lip service and not many of the former residents are still in the area. I'm looking at um, a timeline of Cabrini Green. And I think it's fascinating that in the timeline, it actually notes when Candyman was released. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's it's kind of that thing where, you know, art imitates life and then life imitates art. The way that, uh, you know, there was, you know, people <laughs> involved in, you know, the Italian mob that watched The Sopranos and started acting like The Sopranos. You know what I mean? Like it works. It works oh, yeah. both ways, you know? I still think Trump watched House of Cards and got most of his shit from that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Probably just like, those are great ideas. I'm going to do that. Although, I mean, yeah, I don't know. To me, House of Cards is much more Clinton's than anything else. To a certain degree. <laughs> like, when you add Claire Underwood, yeah, that's Clinton's. But like, That's Clinton's. A lot of the weird moves they pull where, like, that does not feel like yeah. it's legal. yeah. But, you know, once again, the House of Cards has so many things, you know, based on a British show, you know, started as a British show. Yeah, I, I, I find it interesting. You wouldn't think that things would be quite as scandalous in England. I like that we're going on our tangent now. <laughs> oh, yeah, one, one of many. Like, that, that, that's on brand. That's, what's one of, that's what the millions of listeners uh, hunger for. And, you know, I get all the, that fan mail that tells us to keep... Just, yeah, get get off topic as quickly as possible. So this is tangent one, House of Cards. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just going to start numbering them. Yep, yep. <laughs> but also in the timeline, it actually has it where Demolition begins directly after Candyman was released. That and makes that was sense. interesting. No, but it lasted because... Yeah, the, the 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 towers didn't all go down at the same time. Like the, la- the there were still one towers was in like standing. Twenty eleven or something. Was it that late? Twenty eleven. Yeah. So like you're talking about twenty years, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it was gradual. Uh, but there was they stood empty for a while. Like there was a couple of them that were not were condemned or you know everybody was moved out and they stood there just like like ghost buildings. Uh, and now there's, you know, there's Target and a bunch of, like, ye- replaced by Yuppie Ghetto, you know, like, <laughs> this kind of cookie-cutter subdivisions, you know, that look like they could be in any suburb. See, a lot of what they built on that, that ground. It's expensive to live there. Now. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you're right next to downtown, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How well, life has I, changed. I think... Uh, those like new developments like that really bank on uh, people not being familiar with the history or like the layout of the city. So they, they want people, you know, the people that buy, that can afford to and buy those places often don't really know. That is uh, true. Or, or either have not lived in the city for very long or it's a transitional thing for them where, you know, they meet whoever their spouses and they get married, then they go to the suburbs once they realize they don't want their kids to go to public school or whatever in the city. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, a, it's like a starter home kind of thing. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the condos in Wicker Park are that way too. They're really shittily quickly built. 
Mm-hmm. And they're not really designed for somebody to live 20, 30 years. They're designed for somebody to live five years, you know? Hey, that's almost exactly the kind of place I live in. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the kind of place you live. Yeah. I mean, yours is bigger than the ones I'm talking about, but like this, it's the same sort of concept. Yeah. It's, it's where you move to when you have your first adult job and then you start your like serious relationship. But then once, once at least the expectation is that you have kids, you go and buy a house somewhere further out and with like what's perceived as nicer schools and stuff. And then the millennial generation happened and that idea went to shit. <laughs> yeah. You guys wrote, you guys killed all that. Yeah. Or, according yeah. to newspaper articles, we, we kill everything. Jesus, the diamond why? industry, uh, housing. Why, why are you? Why are you so bad? Why are you so horrible? I have no. <laughs> I think it has something to do with avocado toast. I've been told that. Oh yeah, that's that's the problem. <laughs> that and coffee. No, my very tens of thousands of dollars of student debt. That's not it. It's the coffee. Right, it's, it's because you're addicted to fancy coffee. <laughs> I know, God damn it all to hell. Oh my God, I got the best coffee the other day as a birthday gift. Oh, oh you did? Yeah. From, from who? It's from one of my friends, and it's called Army of Chocolate Darkness. Oh, based on the Sam Raimi thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, that's nice. fitting. They get me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you, you got to keep drinking the fancy coffee and keep, you know, ruining the world with your millennial problems. <laughs> One cup at a time. Yeah, and then yeah, the base, yeah, the the new, yeah. W- what would you say? Like the the main the our heroes in the new Candyman, they're kind of millennials, right? Yeah, More or less. Definitely, I think. Well, I yeah, they would be. Like if he was a baby. Age. Yeah, if he was a baby, if we assume that uh, the original Candyman was set in present day, then that's about right, right? Yeah, because I think she said that he was like two years old when the first thing happened. Although he didn't look two, he looked like he was more like one ish. No, he's a baby. Yeah, he's a little baby. Like yeah, uh, but if you listen to the mom where she's like, he spent the uh, first two years. Then again, maybe it just took her a while to move his ass out. Well, yeah, because, yeah, so then, yeah, she probably stayed there after he was saved at, for some time, and then, then she moved away when she could or whatever. And she could have been one of these people that we were trying to talk about earlier that were forced to leave Cabrini Green, you know what I mean? She was because, saying that she left purposely yeah. because she didn't want that connection for him. Right. But, yeah, he would exactly be about my age. Yeah. So they're yeah they're in in look at the way they live like they live like their apartment is kind of like a bigger fancier version of yours isn't it Oh yeah more or less Well it's you a, know it's, she it's has someone... one fancy curator job so yeah Yeah <laughs> I still don't get who gets those gigs but apparently it pays a lot Yeah that's that's a little that's a little bit of wish fulfillment you know like curators don't get paid that much No <laughs> No Damn no, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's her yeah, backstory. They tried to fit that in clumsily. I would say. Oh yeah, because her yeah, it's it's sort of echoes his because, well, they I think they they try to, the reason she's attracted to him. You know, he's this artist, and her dad killed himself from mental illness. He threw himself out the window. You know, and that was very random of a scene. Or I was like, what's happening here? But yeah. No, I mean, yeah, if you're going to critique this movie, like, the uh, the narrative structure and, the, like, the, the plotting is not the best, really. 
but like for me, I don't really care about that stuff so much. That was I think my it, only hiccup, really. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't add up that well exactly. But like you had, like really good uh, production. Like it, it looked good, it sounded good, and you had all these beautiful, well, you know, non-white people, mm-hmm. and all that stuff is great. You know, like that's what I. I think that's what I said to my coworker at the bar. I had gone to see it, and then I I was going to work. And he was asking me about, you know, the movie. It's like, yeah, if you you want to see a lot of beautiful black people, like this is this is a great movie for that, you know. I love There's the a lot gay of... brother. He was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. It's it's definitely a movie of this time. You know definitely. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it was a yeah. It it did that well. It incorporated like an old thing, but like definitely put it up to. With all the trappings of our time and and your millennial problems, <laughs> I like that to a certain degree the urban legend is there. Like how the brother, when she went to him, was just like this crazy motherfucker breaking glass and everything, saying he summoned Candyman, and he's like, "You can stay here as long as you want, just don't yeah. summon Candyman." He tells him that story at the beginning, yeah, like in, because he thinks it's a funny, like kind of like it's sort of like like a meme or something, you know what I mean? The way he talks about it, like it's this funny internet thing that's fake, mm-hmm. and then, of course, it becomes real. Yeah. I wish I had a situation <laughs> like that ever happen in my life where someone is just like, okay, I have a scary story, and then all lights go out and lights candle, and they just take us away. I've never had that. So you, you and your friends didn't play around with Ouija boards or any of that? Man, <laughs> I would have. I mean, I I plan if I ever do have kids, I want them to do it just because as a parent, I would want to fuck with them just a little bit. You want your future children to be to be traumatized and haunted, don't you? Just mildly, (laughs) mildly haunted. Just enough where like maybe the lights flicker and they're like, oh, my God, what happened? Yeah, I I get to. Yeah. Your future children being like the like the Winona Ryder character in Beetlejuice. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, like, the just, like, permanent, like, goth, like, like sa- sad, but not really sad, like, a cheerful, sad kind of child. You know? <laughs> like, Fuck yes, that is definitely Like, it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> like, it's not a phase. This is my yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to dress like a witch for my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that scares me for Gen Z. They, they are like, the ones who are really into, like, the whole witch coven and then astrology shit. Oh yeah. <laughs> what they they like that more than legends. you all? Oh my they, god, they do. Yes, they even have their own apps. That I don't feel like that's a big thing you got with our generation. I I don't know. I think my generation actually. I, I've seen like people my age that were maybe even a little younger getting into like tarot and stuff, but like later in life and taking it way way too seriously. Uh, I'd like, say. I'll, all this fairy tale shit, you know, like like tarot and astrology, you know, all this stuff that's it's it's totally uh it works only by power of suggestion. Like it's real if you believe it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like you want to believe it cuz I don't know, as a non-religious person, I'd like to believe that there's something cool out there just for the fun of it, I guess. Well, yeah, because it, it I guess it's hard to make peace with the fact that there's chaos the that there's no rhyme or reason to the world, there's no meaning, it's just chaos. And it's just like, it's just eat, eat or be eaten kind of, you know? <laughs> and that's the weirdness, because like, 
logically in my brain, I'm just like, I've totally accepted that. But yeah. then there's a part of me that's just like, but it would be cool if there. Well, ghosts. yeah, but this this is what ma- separates us from other animals. We have to have meanings for things like, uh, and they're totally invented. We we're imposing the meanings, you know. Have you ever gone to like someone to see your future tarot cards or anything? Uh, no, but uh, when apparently when I was born, my grandmother was really into it and had like a whole chart done and stuff like the whole like the whole fucking thing Ooh, that's kick-ass yeah so she was into that but uh, all i know about mine is I'm, I'm a libra you know so that's the scales i don't know really anything else about it or no or care uh i don't know uh i always thought that like you were only one thing i didn't know there's like sun rising moon rising or whatever the fuck else well it's it's like any fucking hobby you know like you get more and more into it like it's like you start playing dungeons and dragons and then you have five thousand sets of dice all of a sudden or whatever and you you have a whole library of books and and maps and all the other crap you know did i ever tell you that (laughs) someone actually turned down a date with me so they could play dungeons and dragons and then they still accepted expected me to like Oh, to go on a second one? Be- yeah. Like, after they were done with their adventure? Yeah. Or whatever, like... What do they call them? Their party? Uh, quest. 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 Quest, or... Yeah. I just found out my... Uh, so, my barber, it's a, it's a girl who's uh, it's probably about your age, I think. And she just got it, like, through her boyfriend, got into Dungeons & Dragons. It's so weird. That's like an <laughs> oh, no. Like, tell her to run. Run fast away. No, no. I mean, I tease her, like... I, I've been going to her long enough that, like, since before she met this guy, I mean, she must really like him. To, I guess it's his thing, the the Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I hate it when people try to explain it to you, like, even though you say you're not into it, and they could just yeah. go like a million hours per hour just saying like wizards and fireballs and. Then yeah. they just come up with words you've never heard, and you're like, whatever. Well, this, once again, I think this got mentioned last time or the may, a couple of episodes ago. All that shit makes me want to give these people a swirly. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I, I really, I was not, like, I was an outcast. I was not a nerd uh, or of, of any kind. And I didn't, I think I got, had a little bit of exposure to Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, because... My older cousin, who had been in America longer, he was really into it. And I watched him with all this shit, and I was like, this is not for me. This kind of fantasy world-building thing. And the world, I mean, like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons has, like, infiltrated the whole fucking culture, you know? You know what I hate is when people find out you're into writing, and then they're like, well, you're perfect for this kind of thing, because you're yeah. great at building worlds. It's like, no, no, that's not my world, man. Yeah, I, yeah the, the, all the, the, even the language around it, like world building, is completely alien to what I do. Exactly. Uh, no, no what, what I'm trying to do is like turn a mirror onto the world that actually exists, that I see. I'm not building anything. It's already there. Me? You know? I'm just trying to understand people. Like, I yeah. don't get people, and I'm just trying my best to observe it and get it. And there's this, yeah, there's this thing, and obviously it's called, you know, it's fantasy. <clears throat> Excuse me, but it's this, esca- it's this longing to escape or make a better, like a, a reality that's different or better in which you're more heroic or have superpowers. It's just, all that whole mentality is completely alien to me. I, I just, I don't get it, and I find it kind of sad. Sorry, nerds, but like... <laughs> 
And yeah, all these shows, the fucking dragon show, what is it? The Game of Thrones, all of it, zero interest. Like, I haven't seen a second of it, and I'm not going to. <laughs> I was reading, there is a disorder that's actually associated with people who are really into, like, was it cosplaying? Is that what they call oh, it? Oh, cosplay, yeah, yeah, when you dress up and stuff. Um, Costume play, yeah. Okay. I think that's what it's short for. It's called avoidant personality disorder, where you'd yeah. rather live in your own mental space than in reality. But the, the, other, the other layer of sadness to it is that it's not yours. Somebody else fucking created it, and you're just putting on a costume, you know, and you're, you're playing pretend. Well, that's why I never know. get the people who go to, like, was it Comic-Con? Or there's another Chicago one that I forget what it's called. There's tons of them, yeah. Like, they dress up, and they're all Yeah, there was one called... There used to be one... Wizard World. Yeah, so you're pretending to be characters from your favorite fantasy. uh, Instead of trying to live life as yourself, like, how sad is that? Like, how little you think of yourself or value your own life experiences that you have to be, like, a made-up character. I have one friend that I've known for 10 years. I say friend loosely because it's... (laughs) I make fun of them every chance I get, like, behind their back, because I'm a terrible person. But they play the same character. We're all terrible people. That's why we're here talking about this. But, like, every year, and this is where I know I'm going to get you pissed, and I'm pissed, too. Marty McFly. (laughs) Oh. Every year. Oh, God. Well, at least he wasn't fucking Ferris Bueller. You know, that would be the ultimate. (laughs) Sometimes Indiana Jones, but mainly Marty McFly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so he just gets us he's like a kid in a leather jacket on a skateboard or yeah, like he's got uh, the whole like whatever the vest is great like I, i'm dressed like a suburbanite from the 80s great <laughs> it's just depressing as shit this is the one who wants to be an actor who i actually name by name actually in my book oh okay yeah yeah he's in your book right yeah and i know he <laughs> hasn't read it <laughs> <laughs> How how is stuff with the book going, anyways? That's going so, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Pe- are people liking it? Everyone is liking it. Um, my parents are very much intrigued by it. But what? Yeah. How how is that character? How is that expressed? The intrigue. <laughs> well, one, I think I told you, I found the book and it has highlights and post its. Yeah. on it in their bathroom and I was like okay I don't want to know what's going on here but now every time I pick up the phone they're like are you kidding me this is not fiction and like they'll just start reading a line and yeah. I was like ah oh, shit I forgot I even wrote that one and some things they think are like exclusive to them as baby boomers are sometimes like like what? Fru-fru or uh, time to lean time to clean Shit like that, and it's like, no, I didn't no, get that they, just they, from you guys. <clears throat> they didn't. They didn't invent that stuff. I've heard. I've heard those, especially yeah. fruit. Yeah, fru fru was. Yeah. Exactly. My parents refused to believe that I've ever heard that anywhere else, and I was like, I watch TV a lot, and I have hung out with other baby boomers. This has happened. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. That, well, that's, that's, Gen it's nice that they're interested, though. You know, it's nice that they're at least you know making an effort. I think it's funny. I, I get the calls about like anything that might seem similar to them, but they seem to have not gotten into like, or at least they just don't tell me the fucked up <laughs> things that they've read. Oh, okay. Like my mom did at one point ask, like, you could tell me you're 30. It's fine. What was the extent of your drug use? <laughs> 
<laughs> and she just couldn't believe her. I was just like, I, I got to say, I've only smoked pot a few times, like not that much in my life. She's probably disappointed that you weren't just a junkie secretly. <laughs> That's all I'd be like, I have an anxiety disorder. I can't do coke. Like that would yeah. fuck me up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually trying to be a, a responsible person and not mix these things that have really bad Mm. Side effects. Yeah, like oh, no. there's a, a I lot do of these drugs. Xanax and coffee sometimes. But. Oh, okay. No, but like a lot of like the, the mood like drugs, like you mix that with alcohol and it's a fucking disaster. Oh, like, yeah. You, you know? I'm not going to act like I haven't done that. <laughs> no, but that's, that's where people black out, you know? Like <laughs> because they're not, they're not, you can't do them. They counteract each other, you know? I have to say the saddest part of my life is that I have never been lucky enough to black out during any of my experiences. <laughs> lucky enough? Because, <laughs> you know, you're Man. stuck with the memory of the stupidity that you do. Sure. No, we're just talking about this at the bar. I worked last night at the bar, and this this guy that we know, the uh, co-worker, just sta- started dating this girl who blacks out, and she's, like, always going on and on about these mystery bruises that she gets like I don't know where this came from like well, this isn't a fucking mystery you're a blackout drunk mystery solved that's where you got him you know like sorry it, there's no romance to it. it like you're an alcoholic and you black out and yeah and you fall down this is what happens <laughs> I can't decide if I'm gonna bleep this out or not no I no no I'm gonna keep it no I, I'm not I'm not naming names or anything you know like and by the time I put this shit in my books I'll, I'll have mutated it 17 times you know but <laughs> no, leave I'm it in. I'm not naming names for this one, but I have someone who's just like, yeah, I cannot believe it. I tripped down the stairs, broke my foot, mm-hmm. and I was like, it's because it's cause you're wasted, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, you were just drunk. Just say well, it. Well, and this actually does loop back to the new Candyman. There's a lot of stuff where, you know, that, what's his name, Anthony, the artist guy? Mm-hmm. I always forget the character names. But, you know, all all of the girlfriend's friends kind of look down on him they think he's kind of cracked and kind of loopy Mm -hmm. and and maybe kind of like either a drug addict or drunk or just mentally ill but they call him like a deadbeat a little bit yeah yeah they think he's a freeloader and she's this like up-and-coming successful person and he's just like an anchor around you know like weighing her down but it turns out that like his issues are, are legit they're not the the usual garden variety you know, shit like blacking out from being a drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's haunted by the past. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a curator, I, I think it's very interesting that she was so weirded out by the images that he drew. Mm. Like the like oh, portraits. The, portra- the portraits? Like, uh, that would yeah. not be the, like, I'm going to call you out on this shit. I'd just be like, hmm, he's going through a dark period. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the complicating thing with with them is, you know, he's he's also her boyfriend, so you know, she's thinking of him, and like, what is this really about? It would be different if she saw those and some random artist submitted it to her gallery or whatever. I suppose. I just feel like she just kind of made too big a deal of it. Hmm. I, mean, I guess it had to happen for us to progress, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. Yeah, there are like moments like that are definitely you know they're there to advance whatever the action. Uh, I mean, you got to get A to B, so. Yeah, and yeah, like like we're saying that like whatever criticism of this movie is that, yeah, 
the plot and the in the the characters are maybe not as well rounded as they could have been. Uh, but I, would I say think they're it, definitely more fleshed out in this than they were in the '92 version. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that one, they're they're all just archetypes and kind of caricatures, you know, like mm-hmm. the savior white lady, the 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 black best friend that you know is going to be killed, sacrificed, you know, like the the asshole, you know, husband. Yeah, they're all kind of real, like, grotesque caricatures. Uh, In the first Candyman, it's like the entire thing feels like I'm watching an urban legend, whereas, mm -hmm. like, in the new one, I feel like I'm almost, like, in it a little bit. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, part of that is probably because of you didn't live through the the time period of the first one, whereas you're living through the the new one, so it looks all the, the signposts are much more familiar, you know? I will say the interesting thing, because it came out so early, I was like two years old when it came out, Candyman was actually an urban thing that we did when we were younger. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you did? You, you played the game? Yep. Oh, wow. You know, you're the youngest and sibling. So and did, so did it work? Oh, no, I'd all scream to get out of the bathroom after three times. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd be like, no, get me the fuck out oh, of here. Oh, so you, you, like you, you, you creeped yourself out doing it. Yeah. Oh, okay, nice. I scare so easily, or I did so, scare easily. So it actually works. Yeah. Actually, I think one of the more, maybe the most intriguing character in the new one is that laundromat guy, to me, if you think about it. Because, you know, he goes back to the first one, you know, he was a kid in the first one, but he's also got, you know, he's he wants to spread, the, he, he, he wants the legend to keep going, and he wants it to be, like, to take vengeance on the people that fucked up his neighborhood and he's trying to hold on to this neighborhood that's dying. You know what I mean? I mean, he's the guy kind of pulling the strings yeah. the entire time. Yeah, he's sort of like the Dr. Frankenstein of it, you know, <laughs> like where he lures in the artist guy and he kind of makes him into his puppet, you know, and makes him into the new candy man. I like that he had like the hook already and it's just like, wow. Yeah, he was already. That was a really good use of uh, location, actually, that church. Uh, because that church, that there was a there was a, a huge mural that they white that literally whitewashed on the side of that church. Really? And yeah, that church exists, and it's on the outskirts of Cabrini Green, and they whitewashed a huge mural off the side of it. That's real. Yeah. I'm gonna have to do a Helen journey and check it yeah. out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's way safe for every Helen and <laughs> and Karen and or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, the one thing that bothered me, um, <laughs> it actually was funny in the first one, but like, wow, in the second one was, you know, I, I actually went to UIC for a semester. Uh, so mm-hmm. watching the 92 version, I was like, seriously, like they have not updated shit in that school. Like it still looks like that. Sure. But yeah. the elevator in the library that I know they had to do the mirrors, but yeah, they don't have modern elevators oh yeah 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 sure yeah well you know (laughs) they they needed that for the for the scene that they were doing you know like for for what happened in the elevator to to happen you needed the mirrors you know i like that what the candy dropped to him out of nowhere yeah yeah that well that's how he knew yeah uh yeah i mean it's it's really both the movies really function you know like you, you gotta suspend a lot of disbelief and a lot of it is just kind of like mood and atmosphere mm-hmm. that make these mo- both of these movies work it's not like narrative logic 
It's a character study. And it's not even like just a character study of the characters. This is going to be a really weird way to explain it. I think it's just like a character study of Cabrini Green. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the main character of these movies is Cabrini Green. And the ghosts, you know, and Candyman is just an embodiment of the ghosts of of like a a well-meaning but bad idea. And like in the second one, more like the history of slavery and uh, race problems in America. Uh, I feel like we've done our best job on sticking to the movie in this podcast. Yeah, you, you, you know, we, we took, took some side tangents. You know, we talked about blackout drunks and writing stuff. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he kind of got blackout drunk, like, in the gallery, so that works. Yeah. Uh, I, I So, yeah, I mean, I just love... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure one of the many reasons why I like the new one better is the whole sub, you know subplot about the art world and like how vengeance is taking on the asshole gatekeepers of the art world and I'm totally totally into that whole theme <laughs> for me it was that and just the joy of seeing Chicago in a movie we really don't get a lot of Chicago movies and also no. what was it this is the first time ever that the MCA has ever been filmed really yeah huh but yeah, like it, yeah, it makes sense that uh, yeah, her uh, her idol would be a, like a curator at the MCA, and the MCA is also right down the street from Caprini Green. It's just it's like a mile east of it, you know. I can't imagine that they make much more money than she would have at a private gallery. Uh, it all depends on who's funding. You know, like it, the whole uh, you know. Uh, economic structure of the art world is so bizarre. It's it's mostly at this point I think a, a place for billionaires to hide hide their money from taxes, you know, mm-hmm. because because the price of art is so unquantifiable. It's whatever you can get for it, and it's not taxed the same way like other other investments are. Uh, so it's it, it's a real fucking. Ponzi, not a Ponzi scheme, but like a, it's a racket in in every which way. But then on top of it, you lay this thing of like kind of cultural value or taste, so you get some kind of prestige, you know. Which is why you know billionaires want their names on museums and stuff because it lends legitimacy to how they earn their money and makes them immortal in some way, like on the coattails of people making art. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, n- not that I have any actual opinions about that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> not that I haven't spent my whole fucking life thinking about this or anything, but... <laughs> you should do your own gallery. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, because... Be- you could be the asshole person who, like, totally is a gatekeeper to other people that you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this, this is exactly why I wouldn't uh, is, yeah, I yeah, I would have... Yeah, making, casting judgments on what should come in and should come out is is not my bag at all. It's far too uh, empathetic. Ah, uh, uh, I just want to do my own thing and I want to get by on it. <laughs> you know. You should look into NFTs. <laughs> I'm sure I am not the only person who's told you that. No, but God, what? I still what don't even fu- totally get it, but yeah. What are, I, I've read long, long articles to make myself try to understand. I think essentially what it is is that it's like a, 
it's a thing that no, it, they're not worth anything, but it's just like a certificate of authenticity. Like, you know, if you buy something expensive and then you get this thing that was like rubber stamped by an expert saying it's real. And that's all you're doing is you're buying a thing. And then you're like reselling the thing or. You can. Uh, but yeah, see, yeah, there's, there's, there's so much capacity for fraud in there and, uh, you know, putting a thumb on the scale and it's so not worked out. And that's why there's, you know, those wild fluctuations with the Bitcoin and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because all it takes is somebody to engineer some backroom deal and like, how the fuck would you ever know? <laughs> there's so many different like digital currencies, but yep. that one's not Bitcoin. It, it, I don't know what it stands for, but like it's an ETH yeah, that's the yeah. I, I don't yeah. I don't know all the lingo of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like ether something or uh, yeah. Yeah. There's it's all this new language. I'm sure in like ten or twenty years, this will be just like talking about dollars, you know, or credit yeah. cards, because it will like it, it's on its way. It will take over, you know. What and, would be uh, like Web three point Right. And, you know, what they're trying to like the, the kind of the futurist kind of like idealists that are trying to sell it is the idea is that there's not one person controlling it ever, except that they haven't worked out a system where it can be stable at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's always somebody figuring out a way to game it, you know? I think the issue is that not enough people really know how it works. Yeah. And yeah, as you know, like anything new and like when there's smoke and mirrors, people like invest in it because it's like shiny and new, but they don't know what the fuck they're actually buying. (laughs) But we have heard so many odd stories about that, but yeah. But for any like artist or writer or whatever, and you see a lot of musicians getting into this or or like the, what's his, Elon Musk's, what's her face? uh, I say Grimes. Grimes, yeah. Uh, Like she's big on that. But once you get a critical mass of these, like, successful, famous people, like, getting into it, it will become more and more real, you know? Just the way that, uh, you remember... He's the one who pushes Dogecoin. Okay, that's another one, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, the the language of it is so bizarre because half of it just comes out of memes and stupid jokes, you know, on the internet. And then, but the, the joke then becomes a real thing. Kind yeah. kind of like Candyman. Is Candyman real or not? Or is any of this real? Well, it depends. If enough people believe it, then it is. You know what I mean? I kind of got a Friday, uh, not Friday, Nightmare on Elm Street vibe from that. Like you almost have to believe in it for it to be a thing. Yeah, just just like you're talking about all the Gen Z kids with their with their uh, astrology. Astrology, yeah. It is. It's the power of suggestion, and like if you believe in it, then it then it's real. <laughs> I really thought that they did a really good job at actually portraying that in the movie because, like, it was when he like it's called was it say his name that was the name of the actual yeah thing he wrote I yeah mean, say his, yeah yeah the the art project that he made yeah. yeah I like in the interview with the critic when he went to her apartment he like kind of dared her to do it yeah well you know he went to that apartment to get her killed because by then he knew it was real like. Mm-hmm. He was he was basically trying to get back at her because she was kind of she was kind of shitty to him in the gallery. She was like accusing kind him of of, of cashing sh- in. 
He's like, fuck, so like, fuck you, late Karen, you know, like, we're, I'll get, I'll get back at you. He's like, now that I, I know I have this superpower, you know. I mean, that was like a pretentious bitch, if I've yeah. ever seen one. And that yeah, was, it was like, I've been saying super satisfying to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I also like that, like, they didn't even think him. They're like, oh my God, it's the husband who's the suspect. And I was like, all right. Oh yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Another thing that confused me, um, why was a high schooler at the gallery? Oh yeah. Oh, the one that takes it back to the school. Uh, yeah. I think she was the kid of somebody involved there. Uh, I'd have to rewatch it. I, there was some kind of connection. Uh, or she was like doing like a book report or something, you know, like she needed to, it was like a homework maybe. Yeah, that was kind of the vibe I was getting, but I just kept thinking, like, that's an odd place for someone that age, but <laughs> maybe it's his first one. Maybe, like, a parent dragged them there really quickly. Yeah. No, there's always, in those gallery openings, you'll see, like, one kid, you know? <laughs> like, that's, that, that didn't, yeah, that, that didn't ring false to me, uh, that, it, like, a kid would end up at one of these. There's always some bored kid at one these cultural events, you know, that doesn't give a shit. That's like looking at their phone most of the time or whatever. Hey, I'm 31, <laughs> and I am officially that bored kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of us will always be that bored kid. You know, it's just what we are. But <laughs> Just be looking at my phone being like, can I leave yet? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we there yet? <laughs> it really is. Is like, is this a suitable amount of time where enough people have seen me? And can I leave? <laughs> like enough people have seen you so you could say you were there. Then you could do the Irish exit or do they call it a French exit now? French exit. Yeah. Some people call it uh, the Irish. En- you know what the Irish entrance is, right? Tell me. You go in without saying hello to anybody. You go straight to the bar. Ooh, I That's the that. Irish entrance. I, I, I always called that. it a French exit, and I'm a, I'm a world-renowned master of the French exit. I, it's the thing I do best at every party. Oh, same Like, here. I leave first. I don't say goodbye. Like, I just slink out. <laughs> I am the last to arrive to most things and the first to leave. Yeah. See, I'm not, like, that I can't do. Like, I'm perpetually early to everything. Really? Yeah. I don't like the in-between times when I know I have something coming up. Like, so I just show up early everywhere all the time. You know, I made a mistake of showing up early to one gallery thing, and then I was just like, I'm never doing this shit again. When you're just like there just with the gallery person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have those situations all the time. It was just way too socially awkward, and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'll do like 20 minutes after the time. Yeah. yeah, the thing for me is like whenever I go to these events or whatever, like this is a thing that always happens at like live rock shows or concerts. I'm inevitably the first one there, but then I stake out the, my spot mm-hmm. and I stay there. And you know, I'm usually there with my sketchbook or whatever because I want to draw. Uh, but I never go to these things with any kind of social like. It's it's not to mingle. I don't know. I never learned how to fucking do that. Do any of the regular human social things. <laughs> I'm there on my mission, like me, my weird art mission. It. Always, you know. <laughs> well, I was talking on Twitter. Last night, and someone was just like, oh, you should come visit more often. I think it was to, like, Boulder. And I was like, uh-huh. no, I think I'm just going to wait here in Chicago and see oh, if people yeah. pass through here. And if they well, want yeah, to see Well, yeah, I mean, because well, you're now connected yeah. uh, through publishing with Boulder, right? <laughs> exactly. 
it's like I've been to Boulder a lot, and I've visited yeah. a lot of writers in different states, but then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just be the Chicago writer, and they could come to me. <laughs> and even not all the time. Like, I, I've had some writers been like, oh, I'm passing through. Do you want to hang out? And then I'll just be like, oh, not today. Sorry. <laughs> well, see, you're you're one of those gatekeepers because you have that, you know, you have a publishing house and magazine, so. I always hate <laughs> that vibe. It really... <laughs> <laughs> it is a fact, but like it feels like yeah. so shitty being that because you know what it is is that like you know I get rejected all the time. Well, of course, writing. that's part of the game, yeah. And but, I hate but, doing it to other people, and I have to do it a lot. Well, of course. What per, would you know? Like, what percentage would you say that you reject of submissions? Ninety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that seems that seems right. Yeah, I mean. And you you do the form letter or like? Yeah, we wouldn't be yeah. able to do it without a form letter because sure. Otherwise, people would be like, "Oh, would you say wrong?" and then everything. I've had some people email me back later and be like, "Is there something oh. I could have done?" But oh, they like, want yeah. feedback, yeah. And I would be like, "I don't have time to give you feedback because well, right be- we because have the well, online site, we have the press stuff like that." And that's like really what they should be doing in their writers group or in their you know, uh, MFA or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. To get that kind of feedback, that's what those are for. Like that, uh, you were listening to that uh, the other podcast I did. That that guy that runs that podcast is in the MFA program at NYU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, you know, he's familiar with all that. And he kind of started that podcast. He told me, like, to get more, like, insight or tricks from, you know, published writers that he could <laughs> learn. So he's just using all his guests to further, you know, his his Hook education. Yeah, he's yeah. really fun. No, he's a cool guy. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think he's got a real knack for it. Uh, he's yeah. really good at it. Uh, you be the connect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like yeah. the picture he used of you. Is that an old one? No, no. Uh, I took that. It's from the Rainbow Club. It's from the photo booth. Oh, uh, cool. It's actually yeah. It's it's from this yeah. It's from since reopening. It's from the summer. Because it looked like a selfie, but then I was like, he doesn't have that kind of phone. No, no you know, like Rainbow and uh, Skylark, where I work, we have the old school photo booth with a chemical process. It's not digital. Mm-hmm. So that's, it, it's an actual old, like old school photo strip. Yeah. I yep. Do. Yeah, I sent, yeah, I, he wanted a picture. So I, I'm, I'm always weird about the, the pictures, but. Uh, now I'm trying to guess, like, maybe it's the booze talking. What else yeah. does a shirt say? Oh, uh, it's, a, it's just one of those jokes. It says, maybe it's the booze talking, but I really like booze. <laughs> <laughs> just like, you know, it's just silly. It's just clip art of this old, like, kind of debonair guy, you know? Believe me, I have weirder shirts. <laughs> and, yeah, I think I got the, uh, I think it was, uh, I was working at another bar, and this guy gave it to me. He found it at a thrift store or something. Uh, I love when you're gifted weird clothes. That might be the best. Mm-hmm. Especially if it really fits your personality. Yep. <laughs> it's like, damn, you get me. <laughs> but yeah, back to Candyman. Would you do it? Would you say it five times? No, but I, I so, I'm so fucking jaded or not have no, no imagination. I, I would... I don't think I could get myself to do a thing like that. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? And even as a joke, really, um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm just so not wired for it, that kind of <laughs> belief. Like, I would suck in a horror movie because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't know. I can't decide uh, if you'd be the first kill or if you'd just be the guy who would just be watching from the sidelines and be like, wow, everyone's dying. Yeah. No, I, I'd be like in the, in the new one, I'd, I'd, I'd be like the, that black girl that's like not participating in the stall. Like when they, you know what I mean? Like you just waiting see for blood it to be, a, and be like, yeah, what yeah. the fuck? I'd just be watching and I'd be like trying to do a fucking drawing of the blood. <laughs> Just like keeping your shoes up and everything, be like not trying to be implicated. Totally not participating. Yeah, like my whole stance, like in life, is I'm always like outside looking in. You know, mm-hmm. never part of anything. That's my that's my that's my brand. <laughs> See, that's a better brand than the crazy coffee drinking jaded person I am. Oh, that's your that's that's where you're that's what you've been working at cultivating. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. People have to tell me what my brand is. Yeah, but like, but this pod, our, our podcast is this like branding synergy where like we're merging and uh, we're trying to do crossover or whatever, right? Or whatever sure. That's, all that's all these stupid words that they use. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know like what this podcast's brand would be other than I know like we chaos. yeah yeah where the, where the fuck are all our sponsors that could be benefiting from this scintillating cultural critique that we're involved in here (laughs) see we're cool people we give our really lame analysis to the masses for free i know like what when will we become appreciated it'll be like 10 15 years from now they'll look back and see what a revolutionary podcast this was cool like well so we've we've solved candy man and uh so we're like they don't have to. It's not a competition, but like, uh, where do you like now the the first one better? The, the second one. The second one better. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's new. I don't know. Whatever. I and I usually typically you really hate sequels, but like they did a an int- they did an interesting it take had on better that. Art. It was definitely music top notch and. I don't know. It, it definitely had more of a backstory, I feel, mm-hmm. which I liked. And I don't like going to empty theaters with friends who talk and distract me. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, they can be on probation or due to be fired as Legit friends. Legit be on fr- Twitter, be like, what's Cabrini Green? And I don't answer, so they're looking it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing with the the proliferation of like every kind of knowledge at your fingertips. How little people know, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of it can be astounding. Uh, I, I try, and especially like you know, as you age, you really got to fight that thing of like thinking that like old people, like well, in my time, that kind of shit, you know. But maybe people are always fucking ignorant and stupid and just involved in their own shit. I don't, I don't know, but. It seems like it's so easy now to gain any kind of at least surface knowledge of anything and people just still don't. <laughs> you know, I just keep thinking like it's funny cuz I did like archive work and everything, but before the internet, I really do wonder like like the different words and everything you would have to look up and everything uh, like in dictionaries and encyclopedias and go through like with 
archives and shit, you would have to do a lot of deep research to get a lot of this. Yeah. That, that was actually, to circle back a little bit to the, the new movie, there, there are some interesting kind of like outmoded ways of, re- like, because he goes to that, you know, he goes to the library to look up stuff. Was it to, to research Helen's stuff? Yeah. Yeah. To, to, to basically, well, to discover his own history, it turns out. But he's also not, uh, well, you know, he's a, he's a painter, so he's, a, he's doing an old thing. He doesn't seem super connected with the modern world, you know? Yeah, I don't think I saw him with a cell phone. Yeah, he's sort of a throwback kind of character. It's what, it also makes him, I think, out of uh, step with his girlfriend's whole crowd, who are all, like, on top of everything and, you know, with it. And he just was kind of out of it. I would say the only time it seemed like he was truly looking anything up was Helen's story after the uh, gay brother and his boyfriend left. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it seemed like everything was more like anecdotal and stuff that he discovered whilst exploring. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's strange, yeah, how, how little people know... How little people know, like, about the places they live. I mean, what? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, go back to the bar. This is not about, like, my new girlfriends of people I know blacking out. But this guy, uh, I don't know how it came up, but, like, we're talking about, like, Hyde Park. He'd never been to Hyde Park. He says, oh, I don't go that far south. What? We're in fucking Pilsen, you know? Like, Pilsen and Hyde Park, it's not that far away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that bizarre? Like that how bizarre. Pe- people just live in their fucking bubbles, you know? That's a really nice area, actually. I like Hyde Park. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's like, why would you not go to Hyde Park? There's, you know, like, if nothing else, there's the Museum of Science and Industry. There's lots of stuff to do, you know, mm-hmm. to check, check out there. You get the lakefront, you, get, you know. You get so much, like, much more scenic vibes from that area, I feel. Yeah. Better well, views. Well, so, yeah. It's an older, older neighborhood, and then there's, yeah, there's echoes back to the, you know, to the World's Fair, you know, because with, with the, that museum being one of the only remnants, you know? hmm Yeah, so you, you get a whole big, long link to Chicago history, but I guess, yeah, I guess they don't care. I don't know. I hope this movie causes people to look up Chicago history a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe yeah. gentrification a lot more. I, I think people <laughs> really need to get like information on what the projects were because I don't think a lot of people do know still. Yeah. Uh, not that, I mean, the, the movie has no answers for it, for that problem, because I don't think... There is I don't an answer. Think, I don't think there is. People don't know the answer for it because, you know, it's, it's such a double-edged sword. So you got to, you know, like say a, a neighborhood in decline and then like, People pump in all this money and stuff and make it all nice, but then they chase out the people that have lived there. Uh, it's, I don't know what the answer is, how you do that. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, how you do that properly while respecting the people that have put in all the time, you know? Yeah, that is something our country will very likely never figure out. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, country, the whole country built on a friggin' Indian burial burial ground, literally, you know, <laughs> like so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, these are these are not problems that will go away. So, yeah, no. I, I, you can have 
new iterations of things like Candyman Forever going forward, probably. Do you think there will be a sequel to this, or do you think it's a standalone film? Well, the way, yeah, with corporations and money-making, it, it'll probably depend on how well this movie does. I don't know if... I don't You've know if got it was a lot of mixed reviews. And, yeah, I don't know how much, you know, if it's a successful movie or not, but, uh, yeah, people pump out sequels all the time. Like, I didn't see any of the original... Uh, apparently, you know, there was two or three or sequels from the original one. I think there were, uh, like, four or five total. Oh, there are? Yeah, I didn't see any of them. I had no interest. I don't know. Uh, I, I hear they're not very good from a couple of people that I think I talked to that saw one or two of the original sequels. But They don't seem worth it, really. I mean, yeah. I think they all follow the same vibe of, like, a white person and their yeah. POV with Candyman. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like, to go back to the beginning, that's really the main improvement for me from the first to the new one is that yeah like it restores like there's just like a logic that the hero of a story set in you know in among the the remains of a public housing project should be somebody that's related to it not an outsider you know Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's interesting that i guess i'll close with this that i like that the new candy man they kind of switch it up where like Candyman seemed like it was more like a way to deal with the community's pain where now it's more of a vengeance. Yeah. It's, it's, he's guarding it from, from people that are attacking like the cops, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. was the best ending. I love that. Those parts. <laughs> the cops getting taken care of. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like you, you see it coming a little bit, Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, you know those cops aren't aren't long for the world. <laughs> I only got annoyed that he didn't get her out of the handcuffs, but that's it. Oh, yeah. I can only assume he did eventually. <coughs> maybe, or maybe, you know, they have a different phase to their relationship where they were into kinky shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now that's the best way to end it. 